0: Welcome to Social Scoop podcast hosted by your biz BFF, Kristen Bousquet. And thank you for being here. Every Tuesday, we release a brand new episode for entrepreneurial influencers who are looking to more successfully and sustainably monetize their influence while keeping the soul in social media. We'll be spilling the tea on all the latest and greatest tests, features and releases from the top social media platforms and bring you a valuable conversation with some of the top voices in the influencer and social media industry. Plus, I'm an open book. If you hear something in this episode that you wanna chat about further, send me a message on Instagram at your yoursocialmate or kboosk. Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode 19 of Social Scoop Podcast. My name is Kristen, otherwise known as KBusk on Instagram and TikTok and all of the other platforms. And I am your host, so I'm very excited to share some things with you today. There's actually not a lot of news, which honestly is totally fine by me. The last few months, we've had so much social media news, one thing after the other, and it's actually really nice that we have a little break now, so I'm cool with it. The only thing that I really need to tell you about today is 10-minute TikTok videos are arriving, 10 minute videos. Did you know that TikTok actually started off with 15 second videos? Then they went up to 30, then 60, then three minutes. And now we're jumping all the way to 10 minutes, which is crazy to me. I don't know if I can picture myself watching a full 10 minute video on TikTok. I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I really can't picture it happening. I love that TikTok is really short and sweet so I can watch so much in such a short period of time. Whenever I'm looking for those longer videos, I'm going straight to YouTube. So this should be really interesting. I don't know how I feel about it. It's, again, one of those things where I just have to see it, play around with it, see how people use it, and then go from there. So 10-minute TikToks, a lot of people already have them. If you don't already have them, they are on the way. Aside from that piece of news, I wanted to spend the few minutes that we spent together in the little intro here before our interview talking about some things that I've been doing in the last couple of weeks that have been working out really well for me. I know that last week I shared some tips in the intro about how to boost your engagement right now because so many people that I've been talking to have been saying that engagement is so low. And for me, that was absolutely the case. Like, I was low key, like, not doing okay (laughs) because I was just like, fuck this. No one's looking at my posts. No one's engaging with my posts. What's the point? It's so easy to get into that spiral of emotions there. And that was me for a really long time until the last couple of weeks. My posts have actually been doing better than they have in literal years. Okay. Like, Total one eighty. So I want to give you some things that I've been doing, just so you can try them out, see if it's something that you're, you know, interested in, in giving a go, and see how it goes for you. I hope you have really great results as I have. I've been really trying to think about the platforms and what the the real purpose of them is, and it's connection. You know, like we have social media platforms to be social. But I feel like so many creators and so many small business owners, really anyone who's using these platforms to monetize is so focused on growth, growth, growth and engagement, engagement, engagement. Like we almost turn into like robots, you know, like you're going to comment on people's pictures just so they can go comment back on yours. And, you know, like the intention behind what we do has just gotten really lost and, and really screwed up, if you ask me. And I I am absolutely guilty of this as well. Like I was absolutely spending time 30 minutes engaging. And by engaging, I mean I was just going to comment on people's pictures that I knew were going to comment back online. But at the end of the day, that didn't further my connection with any of these people. I never talked to any of them further than these surface-level comments. And I just just kind of thought about it recently and I was like, this is so dumb. Like, Why are we doing things this way? And so I've started to take a little bit of a new approach. One thing that I've been doing, I've been getting up a little bit earlier in my day and I've actually been scheduling engagement time into my literal day calendar. So I typically you know, get up around 6, which I'm not telling you you need to get up at 6 by any means. I'm just telling you what I do. I get up at 6 from 6 to 6.30. I will just respond to DMs and, and get that prepared to uh, probably get filled back up throughout the day. And then for the 6.30 to 7 o'clock, I actually read a book. I've been trying to read a lot more, and it's actually been one of my favorite pieces of my day which at 6.30, you would think like, sis, why the fuck are you reading at this hour? And for whatever reason, it's just a really peaceful time of my day. You don't have to do that. That's not part of it. But then from 7 to 7.30, I spend that time engaging. It's in my Google Calendar. I treat it as an appointment. I cannot miss it. So basically what I'm doing with this engagement, I'm almost not commenting at all. I know this sounds crazy, but hear me out. So I have been going through people that I would either consider, I don't love to use the word competitors because like we're not competing. People can follow multiple people, but those people who do something really similar to me have really similar content, kind of those people that you see their page and you're like, oh, well, if this this follower likes their page they're gonna like my page too for whatever reason so i've been going through the people who like and comment on their posts and i've been taking the time to say like okay if i click on this person this random person's profile and i look at their page and i feel like we have similar you know maybe visuals we talk about similar things they might be interested in what i'm doing whatever connection that I can find, the people that I do find connections with, I will follow them. And these are people that I'm genuinely interested in following. I'm not just following and then going to unfollow later. So please don't do that. That's just fucking rude, honestly. So You're going to follow the people that you're really interested in making connections with. I've also been liking a few of their most recent posts, like really reading captions, like seeing what these people are all about. I spend uh, maybe a minute or two commenting on their one or two most recent posts. If they have stories up, I might like look through their stories. Anything that I can find a connection with with this person I'm going to comment on it. I'm going to send them a reply. I'm going to send them a DM, whatever I have to do to basically say like, hey, I have similar you know, interests as you. I think you would like my page. I like yours. So I've been doing that. And honestly, I've made so many new friends that way just in the last couple of weeks. And people that this is not what it's all about, but they are people that are coming to my posts, you know, really finding value in them and engaging with them in some way, shape or form. So me taking that time to really humanize this platform has been so beneficial for me in just so many different ways. Um, So that's definitely something that I would suggest doing. And I'll tell you in that 30 minute span, I am not engaging with like more than 10 people, like 10 people max. I'm finding 10 really high quality people that are super similar to me. And those are the people that I'm engaging with, maybe not even 10 sometimes. And what I do is I have been putting these people, I save one of their posts into a folder of like these new followers that I've just recently started following so that I can keep up with them a little bit more. And so in my 30 minute period, I spend that first 20 minutes really going through again, finding those 10 high quality people. And then the last 10 minutes, I'll go back into that folder of people I've recently followed. And I will go back to their posts, see if they posted anything new, have another conversation with them, really further my relationship with these people that I'm just getting to know. Um, That's exactly what I'm doing. I'm getting to know them. So that's something that I have been doing that's just been so beneficial, again, in so many different ways. It's not just about the engagement. I'm actually making new friends, which is, again, what this whole platform is about. It's becoming more humanized and less robotic with the way that I'm doing things, which I love. Another thing that I've been doing that I've also been just having such great connections with people with is going live on TikTok. TikTok. I personally have talked about this before. I feel like going live on Instagram, honestly, most of the time is completely useless. I like, you know, I have 24,000 whatever followers and I'll get max like 10 to 15 people on my Instagram lives at once. And those are typically people that are coming in, maybe watching for a minute and leaving, even if I'm doing something super valuable, like people on Instagram just don't care about lives for whatever reason. People on TikTok, though, are the complete opposite. Because the lives go out on the For You page, that's very important. But I have just had so many people in my TikTok lives recently that like I am literally thinking about doing them for at least 15 minutes every day. I've been doing them a couple times a week. I'm having so much fun with it, meeting so many new people, and I'm bringing them from TikTok over to Instagram as much as possible. I'm bringing them from TikTok to the podcast, wherever I can, so that they can learn learn a little bit more about me and what I do. TikTok live though guys, if you've gone live on Instagram and have had a bad experience, try it on TikTok. You've got to do it for at least 30 minutes. I'm telling you like you might feel like it's slow at first, but once you're on there for a good chunk of time, it will pick up and people on TikTok love talking like the comments are always going. It's it's really just such a different experience from Instagram live. So please give it a try again. Book at least 30 minutes out and see how how that works for you. Um, Another thing that I wanted to tell you about um, before we get into our interview is I had a post last week that was... About real, or it was a reel about um pricing, and so I made a reel that said, Here's all of my rates, what are yours? and I made this post thinking, like, uh, like maybe three or four people will be like ballsy enough to share them. But I'm not even kidding you. So many people went in the comments and shared their rates, and it was magical. Like, this is the transparency that we need in this industry, and my people came through. So first of all, if you're listening and you commented your rates on that, you are the real MVP. Literally, you're the one making a difference. I thank you so much. Everyone else who read those, thanks you so much. If you did not see this post yet, it's recently on my feed. It's a real, it's like a me, a full body picture with a blue background. If you go onto that post, go read through the comments. You will be floored at how many people shared their rates and how different they all are from each other. It was a really great learning experience. So definitely something that I would go check out. And definitely while you're there, share your rates as well. And I'm happy to help you with rates if you're looking for a little bit more help with that actually speaking of on Tuesday, nope, yesterday, because when you're listening to this, it will be Tuesday, hopefully. So on Monday, March 7th, our program just opened up for enrollment. And this is the pre-enrollment period where you get that sale price. So basically this program, it's called Own Your Influence. It's essentially teaching influencers how to run a legitimate profitable, self-sustaining business as a creator. Um, And honestly, this is my most affordable program ever. But if you're looking for more help with rates, this is a great place to get that. A very small piece of what you'll learn, but you will definitely learn about setting rates as well as negotiating, sending pitches, taxes, income and expenses, growing your profile, hashtags, branding, purpose, missions, mission statement. I mean, like I could literally go on and on, but it's a 10 week course. All the information is in the description here, as well as in my bio on Instagram. I hope you check it out, but it is open for enrollment at the sale pricing. Sale pricing ends on March 20th. So if you're interested, save yourself some money and and enroll before then. Anyway, we are going to dive right into our interview portion with Samantha Zink, who is really, really amazing. She gave a ton of great information about running a talent agency, as well as how she negotiates and handles brand deals for all of her influencers that she manages. So without further ado, please welcome Samantha. So if there's anyone who knows the influencer industry back and front, it is Samantha, our guest here today. So Samantha, thank you so much for hopping on with us. Of course. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. So for anyone who doesn't know who you are, doesn't know about your agency, I would love to have you just kind of tell
1: us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Yeah. So I'm Samantha Zink. I'm the CEO and founder of Zink Talent. We are a globally known boutique influencer management agency, and we represent influencers around the world um, from micro to macro on, you know, all different types of content. Amazing. I can only imagine how busy your days must be. (laughs) Yeah, no, they definitely, my, my life and my work sort of blend together in the best way possible. So it's good busy. (laughs)
0: Yeah, exactly. I had actually first found out about you and your business through my friend Bobby's podcast, who for anyone who's looking for kind of like to hear your story, that was a really awesome episode. So you should definitely check out that episode. Uh, But one thing you said that I loved where you were like, I don't look forward to the weekends, you know, like, because, you know, a lot of people are like, Oh, it's Saturday. Finally, it's my day off. But again, your schedule is probably all kinds of crazy where like Saturdays might be work days. It's it's a totally different life in social media.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Because we have campaigns that go live Monday through Sunday. Uh, <laughs> we had campaigns go live in the Super Bowl on Christmas. So
0: exactly. Yeah, and it
1: just comes with the territory.
0: Oh, yeah. It's hard to clock out, <laughs> but in the best way possible. You're right. Yeah. So for creators that you work with, I mean, you work with so many different creators at all different. You know follower counts and different uh, niches and things like that. So I wanted to dive into some questions about creators um, that any other influencers or creators listening could use to kind of just help them out on their journey because I'm sure you know this is a very new and slightly confusing industry for a lot of people um, who haven't had time to kind of experience it. There's A lot going on. Um, So, I wanted to start off by asking you what steps would you say that a creator needs to check off before they start working with brands?
1: So, you need to really hone in on your interests, and that can be fashion, it can be wellness, um, it can be parenting, it can be travel. Um, Really hone in on that. Don't be, you know, kind of all over the place. Know what your audience is interested in. Why do they follow you before you start working with brands? It's important to have a loyal audience. It can be a a small audience or a large audience, but they need to be loyal and they, you need to have an influence over them. You also, you know, numbers are really important to brands these days. They're going to ask to see your story views, your link clicks, your post analytics, your audience demographics. So make sure that that is able, you know, that you have good numbers there. Um, because that's going to make what your paycheck looks like. Yeah. (laughs) Very important. Your audience is very important. So, um, and brands are really good about feedback too. You know, if you reach out and you share all of that stuff, they'll let you know what you need to work on or why it's a pass.
0: Yeah, that's a really good point that I feel like most people don't ever ask like, hey, you know, I I know you didn't want to work together on this campaign, but why, you know, and I'm sure you do get a lot of great feedback. Do you ever do that with like the creators that you work with and kind of ask why they're not wanting to choose that
1: specific creator for a campaign? Like, what are some of the responses you get? Absolutely, because if it's a pass, I definitely want want to let my client know why so we can work on it internally. Um, a lot of the time it's audience demographic if they have a heavier male following. Um, sometimes it's if their audience isn't fully in the U.S. Maybe they're originally from Russia. Now they live in New York City and they have that heavy Russian following. It can be engagement rates and or the influencer may not be on brand for that brand. You know, yeah. It may not be the style influencer that they're looking for.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. I feel like so many of the times with creators that I work with, they're like, oh, this brand didn't want to work with me. I suck. And it's like a lot of the times it's not necessarily your content. Like they could be looking for such a specific person. And if Mm -hmm. you don't fit those metrics, you know, there's it's not you. (laughs) It's just like the campaign. Yeah, exactly. You had mentioned before kind of like having a niche and, you know, posting about fashion or wellness or, you know, kind of staying in a specific topic and not being all over the place. What kind of advice would you have for creators who are like, I love so many different things. Like, how am I supposed to choose what to talk about? Because like, I know a lot of the the students that I work with in in our coaching programs, they're like, I love travel and I love, uh, you know, sports and I love fashion and beauty. And it's hard to nail down one specific thing, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: I love that. I call them lifestyle influencers and they are my absolute favorite. But if you are posting a lot of fashion and then you abruptly start posting, you know, sports or like something completely drastic, you're going to lose your followers attention. But if you're from the get go, a lifestyle influencer able to walk us through your day to day, your life, your travels, your family, Um, I love that. And I I think that's a diverse influencer. And you're going to get way more jobs out of that and a lot more attention from brands. I think it's super authentic and really interesting
0: yeah authentic, but I think it's probably also so helpful when pitching to brands too because like mm-hmm. you're not stuck in one specific niche like if you were just a beauty influencer like and an alcohol company comes up to you like it's it's hard to sell that to your audience without it feeling weird. So I'm sure lifestyle influencers just have more opportunity in that way as well.
1: Yeah, and they're so interesting to follow. I rather follow a lifestyle influencer than an influencer just posting static images of you know swimsuits you know right. I want to get to know you tell me about your day-to-day what are you cooking for dinner um <laughs> what's your boyfriend like like I want to know like I want to be your best friend that's the yeah. way to put it
0: Yeah, it's true. And I I feel like even just in my experience, a lot of the times when I share something that's totally unrelated to like what I share, typically people are like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Or I do that too. And I'm always like, this is what you're interested in. But it really is those points of relatability. Like people want to get an inside look on your life and, and relate to you somehow on it.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Influencers, I think a lot of the time they're nervous to put themselves out there um, because they don't want to have low low story views or (laughs) um, say something that they're going to regret. But the truth is, we want to follow authentic, real people. So just be yourself. um, And just, you know, the more that you're talking on camera and letting us into your everyday life, you're going to feel super comfy about it. Um, and that's how you're going to, you know, gain that loyal following who is going to be invested for your whole life. You know, yeah. through, like you being engaged, married, having babies, like they are invested, you know, yeah. you're their best friend, their sister. It's so true.
0: So those creators who maybe want to start sharing more of their life or, you know, just generally putting out more content, something that I hear from a lot of creators is like, oh, I'm just having so much trouble staying consistent. Like, I can never think of ideas for posts. Like, what kind of advice do you have for creators who do have issues staying consistent or feeling that pressure of, like, constantly having to pump out new ideas?
1: To take a day, you know. I I think what people don't realize about influencers and content creators is – it's not a nine to five. It is Monday through Sunday all day, every day. So you need that like time to just, you know, like not go on social media, spend time with your significant other, your family, take a breather. And I think like you're going to come back stronger and more energized and more motivated. Um, but sometimes um, influencers just need to clock, clock off, clock out yeah, um, and just kind of I don't know. Take time for themselves. And, right. you know, that's totally fine. And don't feel bad about it.
0: You know, exactly. You don't that's don't the biggest that. thing. It's yeah. It's the it's the guilt of like, oh, man, well, if I like don't post for a few days, people, people are going to be so upset and not to be rude, but people might not even notice.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. Um, and I think like if you're forcing content, it is so obvious Oh, yeah. you know, don't force the content or have it be dull or, you know, I, I think just enjoy your life. And on, if you have a significant other, like I think you honestly owe it to them to sometimes let go of the social media for a little bit and have a nice dinner or go on like a weekend getaway trip or have a staycation. You, you're a real person, you know, right. <laughs> yeah, okay. exactly. It's okay to let go for a little bit.
0: It's okay to be a real person. Yeah. (laughs) So many experts in this industry say that you should try and kind of like show proof of concept before you pitch to a brand. So maybe like if you wanted to work with Old Navy, like you go to Old Navy and you do a little story try on tagging the brand so that you can show the brand, oh, look, I, I did this content. Kind of like as a little preview of what i could do for you and look at how it performed um so first of all would you say that that's something you try and do with most of your creators for a lot of their partnerships um and then also in those kind of like little preview posts what happens if they're not getting good interaction
1: for fashion, I usually tell my clients to stay away from those sort of trial posts because mm-hmm. um, you, I, because the brand is going to assume that they can always get these gifted trade collaborations from you. So if it is fashion or shoes, mm-hmm. stay clear of that and, you know, be firm on the paid. Um, if it's skincare or if it's a probiotic or vitamin – or, you know, a, a supplement, definitely try it out and share on stories. And, and I call it some story love because they want authentic partners and they want you right. using the product before you're posting. Um, and so that's okay to share on stories and um, get your followers familiar with the products first.
0: That Yeah, that makes total sense. So in that situation of like, if it were like a wellness product, like a, a vitamin or something, Oli vitamins we use, for example, if I were to be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to share Ollie, You know, this is something I use in my everyday life. You guys would love it. Da, da, da. Um, And again, like if it does not in get good interaction, as I would expect? Is that something like, where you would say, well, maybe try it again on a different day, different time, different style story? Or is it kind of like something that maybe just the influencer may need to work on more generally, like getting more people engaged?
1: So if it's trade, and you're not getting paid for it, you do not have to share those analytics with the brand. You know, you are doing them a favor, and you're saying, hey, I would love to kickstart a relationship with you. I'm going to start taking these vitamins and, you know, maybe do an unboxing or introduce them to my followers. That's fine. You do not need to show how many story views or how many comments or how many DMs, um, but you're showing the brand, hey, I'm serious about this partnership. I'm introducing your brand to my followers. And, you know, after a few times, I would like to turn it to paid because it's authentic. And I actually love your vitamins. I'm seeing, I'm seeing a difference already. So.
0: Right, right. Yes, I love that. I think ahead. that – stuff.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
0: that actually brings up a good point that a lot of people or influencers who are just getting started I don't think understand like you get those emails where they're like, "Oh yeah, send us over all these demographics and stats and things like that and then we'll let you know how much we can pay you." For me, that's always a red flag because that's again like it's proprietary information that you should not have to give to anyone that you're not under contract with. First of all, but then also Like that is not what's going to determine my rates solely, you know, like there are plenty of other things that go into, you know, choosing your rates as an influencer.
1: Yeah, no brands are, you know, they're very firm on needing to see insights and audience demographic before moving forward. Um, And things are just changing so drastically, because When I started this um, four years ago, it was not like that. They'd never asked about seeing any sort of insights and now they do. But I agree with you because, you know, if they're asking for recent insights, like maybe you weren't posting as much or Instagram's been so funky that maybe your views were lower than normal. So it is hard to determine the success of the partnership just from you know yesterday's insights exactly
0: yeah so what do you feel like brands look for the most when it does come to the creators that they want to work with like I know we had talked about you know basically making it feel as organic as possible I'm already using this product I already love it but what other things do you think that that brands look for when choosing brand
1: partners they want authentic influencers um, I, two years ago, it was all about a curated feed and a color scheme and everything polished. Um, and now I'm realizing brands are gravitating towards the, these real life influencers who are posting on the fly. It's not overly mm-hmm. filtered, um, it's real life content. So I think brands want to make sure, obviously, you're a match for. You know, if it's a certain type of fashion or product that you are a fit, you know, it, it's an organic fit, but also they want to see a natural feed. Yeah. On the yeah. fly, you know, not some, not photography images. Like, you know, I, I think that was such a thing before, but now brands are like, I want to see, you know, snaps from your iPhone or, you know, just like real life people.
0: Yeah, that's always a really hard one for me because I come from a photography background. So, I used to be a photographer. It's so hard for me to put the camera down and use my phone instead. So, <laughs> I haven't gotten there yet and I I know it's there are plenty of other people in my shoes. It's definitely a transition, but I think even just like if you are going to use a better like a camera instead of a phone or, you know, have things feel a little bit less posed, there's definitely mm-hmm. still ways to do that with a camera, you know, like just basically like taking the pressure off of like editing things a certain way or, mm-hmm. you know, like again with the poses and things like that. There's plenty of ways that you could do it with a camera too, if you're someone like me who is not ready to to commit to iPhone photos just yet.
1: <laughs> but if photography's your thing, then that's right. you know they they gravitate towards that, you know. I have right. uh, travel influencers, and they have the most beautiful reels. And I promise you, they're not from an iPhone. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, if, if photography is your niche, then I, I think those type of images work well for you. But if you're a fashion influencer hiring a photographer, you know, maybe try doing iPhone shots and changing right. it a little bit.
0: Yeah, I feel like it has a lot to do with TikTok and how TikTok in the last year or two has just allowed people to feel so much more comfortable not having a production. And I definitely think that that's slowly making its way over to Instagram. But TikTok is like, you don't even have to like, no, there's no rules about what your video needs to look like in TikTok. I feel like it's just like, you just get your phone out and do what you need to do. And if it's good content, people will like it.
1: Yeah, no, TikTok is, (laughs) when TikTok, um, you know, started being, you know, a a thing, I was like, this is just so different than Instagram, because Instagram, it's so hard to blow up, and it's overly polished. And then TikTok, I'm like, you know, these people are blowing up from one post. And exactly. It's it's funny when new platforms um, come around, and then it just it switches everything up. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it does. And that's one thing about being a creator is like you always just have to be ready to pivot and transition with all of the different things that are happening on these platforms. You know, like as soon as Reels came out, none of us were ready to make video, but everyone was like, (laughs) all right, I guess we're making video. You have to just be so flexible with all of the new things that are coming out every day. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And it doesn't matter your age either. You know, some of my clients are like, oh, I'm too old for TikTok. And I'm like, well, (laughs) you know, it's it's a constantly evolving industry. And you really doesn't matter your age or your skill set. You have to kind of you have to hop on board and just go with it. Exactly. Yes. Maintaining your authenticity.
0: Right. Exactly. So for creators that are starting to work with brands, There are obviously a lot of situations where they're like, you know, these are the rates that I came up with. They send them to the brand and then the brand is like, yeah, sorry, no, this is what we think you're worth. Uh, I feel like that happens more often than it's like, oh, we can't afford you. It's more like, oh, well, this is what we would pay other creators your size or with your engagement rate. So how can a creator advocate for themselves when sticking up to brands that basically don't want to pay them their rates?
1: So it really is a negotiation game. Um, I never thought that this industry was so like salesy. You know, my background is public relations. I was in PR for eight years and then I switched over to the influencer management side and I'm like, I have to negotiate. (laughs) It just was so out of my comfort zone at first. Um, So you really, yeah there's different types of influencers. Some influencers are very firm on the rates and some influencers are a bit more flexible. It's whatever you're comfortable with. Um, but if you go to a brand and you say, um, my rate for a post in one round of stories is 3500 and they come back to you and they say, well, I can do 2500 Then you say, let's meet at three k." Right. So you kind of go back and forth. But if they go way below your standard rates, then you know, kindly pass and let them know to circle back with you once they have more budget.
0: Yeah. And one thing that I noticed, too, in those situations, so many times if I'm like, oh, yeah, no, like clearly you're we're on totally different pages here. If I say no, sometimes that's the best thing I could have done because they'll come back if they want my, you know, uh, endorsement or like my content as bad as as they do, then Sometimes they'll come back and say, oh, you know, we uh, magically s- found some room in our budget to accommodate your $3,500 rate. It definitely does happen, but sometimes you just
1: have to say no for it to kind of come back
0: and actually come back the way you want it to.
1: Oh, 100%. Um, a lot of the time it that happens with gifting. Like, oh, yes. well, we're we're just trying to gift right now. And I was like, well, we're prioritizing paid. So, you know, let us know when you have budget. And they're like, okay, wait, what are your rates? <laughs> so yeah, <be> stern <laughs> and you never know what will happen. But don't be too stern where you know it comes off as aggressive. You always right. want to have that like positive attitude throughout the whole conversation.
0: Exactly. And especially with agencies, because they work with so many different brands that you don't know if like that specific campaign had a really low budget and couldn't make it work. And then the next one that comes around, they were like, oh, we're not going to pick that girl. She was so rude to us last exactly. time when it could have been something perfect for you. <laughs>
1: yes, exactly. Always never be aggressive. Always have a positive attitude because they're going to remember the content creator influencer that was Positive and easy to work with, and worked with their budget. Um, and then you're gonna had to have a long term relationship with them and get more collaborations out of it.
0: You know, exactly. if, if they
1: didn't have a positive, um, you know, a, a positive collaboration with you, they're not going right. back. There's a million more influencers out there. You are easily replaceable. You know, so just yeah. always be positive, no matter what happens in the collaboration.
0: Yeah, that's the reality of it. It's it's kind of harsh to hear sometimes when like, well, we can replace you and just get it from someone else. And so many of the times that's true. So you really do have to make sure that you give them the best experience. And plus, so many of these people that work at agencies or do influencer management for brands. They have so much on their plate. If you can make their life as easy as possible, they're going to come back to you simply for that reason.
1: <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah, it's it's the best when I hear brands and agencies say about my employees that, you know, we had such a positive experience with them, so easy to work with. And, you know, they actually do come back and work with more of our creators. So, yeah, right. just make sure you, you have to understand the other side. They're stressed out as well. So you just want to yeah. make sure that the whole partnership is seamless from beginning to end.
0: Exactly. Yes. So the question of the century, uh, how do influencers know what
1: to charge? Um, so I, I don't <laughs> think there is a right or wrong answer to this. I think if you have management, they're, they're going to have all of that down for you. Don't even worry about it. Um, but if you're handling your partnerships yourself and you have no idea what to charge, I think, like, have an idea of a, a budget and, you know, say that to the brand and, you know, kind of gauge by the feedback, I think. Yeah. Also ask other, you know, inf- if you have influencer friends or you could Google Um, I don't think there is a answer of what to charge. It's so hard. (laughs) No, there's so many different components because it's not just about your following. It's about your audience demographic. It's about your story views, your engagement rate, all of that stuff come into play um, because you can have 600,000 followers and the lowest story views and it's not making sense and that's going to come into play when you're right. putting together your rate. Or you can have 30,000 followers and very loyal, highly engaged followers um, and charge more. So yeah, really it's exactly. Dependent on all of those factors.
0: Yeah, it's I always like to ask people because I'm curious if maybe someone's got some secret like hack out there to be like, Oh, yeah, this is exactly how I figured it out. But there really is every single person is going to be so different. I know for me, when I was figuring out what I was charging, I was literally just gathering information from similar creators to me. That was where I started. Mm -hmm. And I think that was super helpful to get started um, just to see like what the lowest end of someone similar to me is charging and the highest end. So I was like, okay, like maybe I'll start somewhere in the middle. And then from there, it was all about negotiation. Like if Mm -hmm. I – if it was a thousand dollars for a post, and I uh, said fifteen hundred to a brand just to leave room for negotiation, if they automatically said yes to that fifteen hundred, I was like, "Cool, fifteen hundred is my new rate." And that's mm-hmm. literally how yep. I got to where my rates were now. It's I think you have to go through a lot of trial and error with it. It's not as easy as just like using one of those calculators online.
1: <laughs> exactly, and on top of that, um, you know, when you've been doing this for a while, you realize that every brand's budget is different. I, I would, I, I feel like an expert at this point. So I can gauge, you know, if a brand going yeah. have high budget or low budget, um, and just through my relationships with the brands. But that's also one thing is like, it could be like the biggest brand, it could be Nike and they could have low budget. And that is totally a thing.
0: Yep. Oh yeah. 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 And you're, it's so hard for us on the other end to be like, what the heck, you know, you're Nike. Like, how are you only offering me
1: $500 and I'm asking for 2000? dollars <laughs> But yeah, it's just, you it's, never know. It's just what their allocated budget is. And um, just through your experience, I think that is spot on is just yeah. out numbers and just getting the feedback from brands and going from there. Always, you know, I, I definitely say I go a little higher because you can negotiate right. down. But don't go, you know, this crazy amount where they're just, you know, put off and they're like, okay, this person's crazy. I'm not going to work <laughs> with them.
0: Yeah, they're like, delete. We're not answering this. <laughs> yeah, you don't
1: overcharge $2,000. Um, but you can go a little bit higher. Right. Um, and you, because you always can negotiate down from there, but you can't go yeah. higher once you start low. Yeah, exactly. Can't yeah, like, I think oh, I actually meant this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whoops, I forgot to add a zero in there. <laughs> yeah, it does not work like that, unfortunately. So when it comes to all of the other things that influencers can kind of like raise their rates for, like whitelisting, usage, exclusivity, do you guys have a specific formula that you use
1: to figure out those numbers? Um, So if there- if it's a carousel post, you know, you can upcharge for that. You upcharge for a reel compared to a static image. Whitelisting, I think industry standard is um, 30, 40% of the overall total. Um, You can also give bundle package deals of that if they want to do, you know, if it's not just 30 days, they want to do six months, maybe you give them a deal. I have some clients who hate whitelisting. They think it messes with their platform. So they'll charge the same amount for whitelisting as they do for the post. So it it depends on you and what you feel comfortable with. Um, But I think industry standard is like 30, 40% of the overall total.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, that's – I usually do like 25% for whitelisting per 30-day period, but maybe yeah. I'll raise it up
1: now. I <laughs> yeah, no, that's completely – that's normal. Yeah, it's right. just what you feel comfortable doing and um, – but yeah, it's like the 20 to 40%. Yeah. And it, de- it depends on my client. <laughs> like That's true, yeah. It's different with what they want, you know, what they want, so –
0: yeah, I've heard a lot of rumors floating around there about the whole whitelisting thing and how it messes with reach and things like that. And I don't know, sometimes I feel like there's truth to it and sometimes I don't. But also I think about how much extra money I can charge for whitelisting. And I'm like, if it messes with my reach a little bit, like, is it worth an extra $1,000? I think so. <laughs> yeah. So I can usually justify
1: it. Exactly, yeah. So if, if you feel comfy with it, then, you, you know, go for it and do that 25% um and I just whitelisting and dark posts and all that stuff that is very much a thing and it's gonna continue oh, yeah. to be so throughout the year and um new things like this keep popping up but I just oh, think yeah. it you know icing on the cake it's more money for influencers on top of their standard fee
0: exactly yeah it's a nice way to to pad your normal rate for sure mm-hmm. do you find that more brands that you're working with now are interested in TikTok things? Or are you trying to get more of your creators to go over onto TikTok more often?
1: Um, So I would say majority of my creators are on TikTok. And you know, some are better at it than others. Um, You know, some creators are just really killer at the videos, you know, and I and some, they struggle with it a bit more and they feel like more comfy with Instagram and that's fine. Brands, I just, a lot, the majority of our brand deals are Instagram. Yeah. We have a lot of TikTok, but majority is Instagram because I think there's a lot of opportunity there. You know, static posts, um, giveaway, engaging stories, reels. So, but you know, it's, it's definitely both. And some brands want right. to be more so on TikTok. You know, they, yeah they I want did videos.
0: Yeah, I did actually recently see that TikTok is working on stories. And I was like, "Ooh, that might be like one of the big things that brings a lot of people over to TikTok more often than maybe they're on Instagram. It's it's I feel like we're in this weird in between time where we're like, do we put more work into Instagram or TikTok? Because like maybe things are going in the way of TikTok. But right now the money seems to be on Instagram.
1: Yeah, well, Instagram is also easier to gauge the ROI, um, you know, with link clicks and being able to see the engagement. TikTok, like you don't know how many products you're selling and it's really hard to that stuff on the brand side. So I think like, that is such a great area where they're like, we're putting so much money behind TikTok, and we love the videos. But what it you know, what's the success from it? you can't gauge Instagram, it's so easy to gauge the success and like, see the numbers, which I think a lot of traditional brands feel more comfortable with.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Right. So speaking of ROI, for anyone who is listening that doesn't know what that is, can you just explain what ROI is and also like what do brands typically want to see for an ROI? Like if a post goes live and it's only like a one-off post and that doesn't really get them a great ROI, are they going to maybe work with that creator again or do they kind of get
1: blacklisted? So ROI is return of investment If you are a brand or an agency, think about it this way. You're putting thousands of dollars into a post. And so they're looking for sales a lot of the time. It's not necessarily engagement these days. These brands are like, okay, I want you to style these outfits and I want you to sell a ton of them. Um, And if they're not seeing the sales, they don't feel like it's a beneficial partnership for them. And chances are they are probably not going to work with you again. If it's fashion or products, like a lot of the time you'll see on Instagram is the influencer will share a code um, and then you get a percentage off. Um, But that's how we're able to track the sales. I mean, if a brand is going to work with a creator again, they're going to need to see a lot of sales on their end um, to keep moving forward or work with you long term.
0: Yeah, I feel like there can be just so many different situations that you get into with different brands and (laughs) there's a lot to understand in the back end. So with different situations that you could get into with brands, have you ever had any of your clients get into like bad experiences with brands where like, you know, maybe they like stole their content or, you know, all of these different things that could happen. And how would you kind of advise influencers to navigate those situations?
1: So I don't think that we've had a really... Negative experience. I have had brands maybe upset that they didn't see the sales they were hoping for, Right. Um, and maybe they'll ask for a make good, which means they would like the influencer to post again for free. Mm. <laughs>
0: what are your thoughts on that?
1: <laughs> so they, I mean, I just I don't think that influencers are you know are salespeople. I think that they gained a following, and they, if they hold up to their end of the deal which maybe is like a post in a round of stories and they post, it is not up to them to sell your product. And there yep. is so much uh, more to a collaboration than just sales. You know, you have brand awareness, you have beautiful content, you have the influencer tying their name to your brand. You right. have website traffic, um, Instagram or TikTok traffic. So if you are just, you know, solely set on like that sales number, then you don't understand what a partnership is. You Very know, good and point. And that's sad, but a lot of brands do get upset if they don't have a certain number of sales because they're like, "Well, we're a small company, and I don't have the money for this." Well, then just you know, don't work with influencers until you do, right? Because it yeah. is not up to them to sell X amount of your product. They exactly. They're under the deal. You know, um, we did our deliverables, and that's it. Yeah,
0: I feel the same way. I'm Every time I see that in a contract, I'm like, yeah, absolutely not. We're going to take that out. Because <laughs> again, like oh. I can't even guarantee like that my non-sponsored posts are going to do anything specific. Never mind yeah. sponsored posts, because, you know, those typically perform a little bit lower than regular posts do. So I'm <laughs> not guaranteeing anything with these apps.
1: <laughs> like, and no we, so I'm a consumer and I always say th- this to my clients. I'm a consumer If I see something, um, a sponsored ad and there's a code, I never purchase right then and there. So that's when the campaign is live, right? I never purchase right then and there. But maybe later that weekend and I'm online shopping um, and then I'm like, oh, yeah, so-and-so had that code. I'm going to go back to her highlight, grab that code. And this could be a week later where the campaign's over and they're not even measuring the success. I mean, I just, you know, I don't know who just like per- purchases right on the spot and they see it. So I think brands need to be aware of that as well.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a really great point. I I don't think unless there's something in the photo that I need at that moment, I'm like, okay, I have to go buy it. Most of the time, it's just like I'm on the site, and I, again, I'm like, oh yeah, this person had a code, cool, I can get a discount. I'm already here, like, yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, so later. Yeah. I want to go through uh, just kind of like a little lightning round here with uh, some quick numbers. Um, So, you know, you just give us your your quickest, uh, easiest answer. So first question, average engagement rate that brands like to see, what percentage? Uh,
1: To be honest, um, they actually do not ask for this too often. Out of all my clients, they do not ask for the engagement rate too often. They ask uh, 10% of the time. Wow. Okay. Why do you think that is? I'm not sure. I, I because I, I have had brands ask that, but it's not a huge thing. That's just me being transparent. Is like we don't get asked right. that too too often.
0: That's really awesome.
1: I feel like I get asked all the time. So I'm you like, hmm, yeah, yeah, no, we, we, like we have folders with insights for all of our creators and we share that. Um, so maybe that's why they don't ask for yeah, that could engagement be rates. It. But yeah, no, I haven't been asked that too, too often. So I don't think that's a make, or make it or break it.
0: All right. All right. I will. a high one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Not 1%. Yeah, of course. (laughs) Right. Um, How about the max number of partnerships and influencers should be posting a week without, you know, like their audience or brands looking at them like, um, you're kind
1: of posting a lot. So I think you could go story heavy, but on your feed, I would do, you know, 30%. um, Yeah. You don't want to be post overload. Perfect. You, yeah, you don't want to be overly sponsored. You want it to be organic, or you're gonna um, get a lot of unfollows.
0: Yeah. Is there a certain number of pitches
1: that you would suggest influencers try and send weekly or monthly? Um, it really it, it depends on how many collaborations you're going for, um, but you know sometimes you can send up to a hundred pitches weekly. You yeah. Know, it just it really depends on the traction you're getting, but um, I always tell my employees the secret sauce is the more you pitch, the you know more opportunities come from that. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> How about the number of posts a brand should partner with on uh, for with creators on for best results? Oh, this is a good one. The more posts, the better. At least three rounds, especially Agreed. with skincare. No more one-off skincare po- like collaborations. Mm-hmm. Because it's so you know, it's so obvious that no one's yeah. gonna purchase your skincare, and you're wasting your money.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's like something I always am trying to get away from. Is like when you know, Neutrogena reaches out and they're like, oh, yeah, we are running this big campaign. The deliverables are one post and one story. And I'm just like, what do you want me to accomplish with that? You know, like people need to see it multiple times. Mm -hmm. First of all, like you said, you know, like you need to see it multiple times in order for you to say like, oh, I'm actually going to go use this code or I'm going to post or buy something from this store or whatever it is. But
1: just seeing it once doesn't usually feel like, "Okay, I'm going to go buy it immediately. Yeah. No, I want to cancel the one-off culture.
0: (laughs) Honestly, yeah. (laughs) Tell every brand that too, yeah. Wow, I've been trying, girl. (laughs) How about the follower number an influencer should have before they start pitching?
1: Uh, I think at least 10K. Really? I mean, it depends. It really – I think that – to make it worth, I mean, to, you know, make it worth it money wise. But if you want True. a lot of product trade, I think you can go beneath that. But if you want a good fee, I think that you have to like start yeah. and keep growing from there.
0: Um, yeah, I,
1: th- NK, I think there's a lot of like gifting, which is fun too. I mean, we all love a g- good gift. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Never
0: mad at free stuff now. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. yeah, I that's a, I think that is a good way of looking at it. I think plenty of influencers can get partnerships that are paid under 10 K. However, like, is it worth all the work you're putting into it for where you're going to get paid? Maybe not.
1: Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, but I would definitely, and like I said, like the gifting, a lot of the gifting is even worth it for Yeah, yeah even me. Skincare is expensive. Clothing can be expensive. So um, if it's a side hustle and you, and you want that gifting and, Um, also those partnerships too, like if they're going to bring you more followers because the brand may repost you. Um, so it's good to like start pitching maybe even under and accept those trade because people love your content. They'll repost you, um, tag you, and then you get more people following you from that. Right. What is your
0: opinion on when a brand is like, "Oh yeah, we want to do the first post gifted," but like if that goes well, we'll do uh, a real paid one. What do you usually say back to brands when we, they give we you do that trial post? Yeah,
1: <laughs> you're just trying to get free content. Um, so if you want to work with us, you gotta pay. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Like it's, I always want to respond and be like, so are you going to go to work for two weeks without pay? And like, if you do a good job, maybe they'll pay you.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. How does that I make sense? down trial posts. You can expect yeah. gifting and organically post that gifting if you love what you're gifted. Right. But never do a trial post and show them the success or lack thereof of that post. Yeah.
0: Typically, like if I do accept gifted product I'm like oh well you can send it over there's no guarantee it's going to get posted but like you know if I have a good experience I'd love to share it but exactly I'm not guaranteeing any sort of deliverables yeah exactly that's where you got to dish it out (laughs) (laughs) exactly so at the end of every episode, I open the floor to my guests to ask me a question. So let's hear what yours is.
1: Yeah, I would love to know what type of influencer or creator that you gravitate towards or follow. Like, what is your favorite type of influencer? Ooh. That's a great question.
0: I I think it's different for me on TikTok and on, on Instagram. Like mm-hmm. on TikTok, I really like funny people because I feel like I'm there for entertainment yeah. versus like any sort of other kind of value. Like I just want to laugh and like be shown funny things. So I love funny creators on TikTok, but on Instagram, I think I really love like the total opposite. So like people who are super high quality, like Photo inspo, you know, photography pages, um, or even like creators who are doing specific like try ons. I find that I really love when there's a creator who's doing like size eight to 10, uh, Zara haul or something like that. Mm-hmm. Cause it's cool to be able to see like what things would look like on someone who's your size specifically. So I love those posts too. But anything that's like funny or, high quality or somehow relatable to me, I think those are probably the things that I gravitate towards most.
1: I love that. Yeah. Especially the try-ons. I just, you can see them style the outfit and I'm like, whoa, okay. Yes. (laughs) Exactly.
0: Yeah. So it's so different because so many times on websites, you're just like, oh, well, I look absolutely nothing like this person. This is not going to look the same on me. So (laughs) I love seeing stuff on real people. It makes me buy so much more stuff, which is Not a good thing.
1: (laughs) Me too. I agree. Well, that's why you have to use the discount codes. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) It all comes full circle.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, thank you so much for hopping on. Where can everyone
1: find you? So on Instagram, you can find me at Samantha Zinkovich. um, The last name is Z I N K O V I C H. And our agency is Zinc Talent. Yay. Awesome. And I'll have it all linked
0: as well so that you guys could just click right to it and go right to both of the pages. Do you guys have
1: TikTok? We do not. I'm working on it. We have a pretty cool Instagram though. Our social media girl is phenomenal. So I love that there. TikTok to come, not from me, (laughs) but But I know some TikTok stars for you guys. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Also, I uh, always see, I think it's
0: Set active. Um, mm-hmm. They do a really cool TikTok that I feel like you guys could do. That would be awesome. It's like they'll show like different people that work their their day in the life, or like, oh, what are you working on? Or they show kind of like behind the scenes on how they're working. And I'm like fascinated by that stuff. So that could be something yeah. cool to look
1: into for TikTok. No, yeah, that would be really fun, especially with everyone remote too, or like traveling. Yes, maybe doing takeovers. And all of my employees are Gen Z and super cool. So I'm sure they would love that. <laughs> (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) me i'm like i could i don't even know how to put together the video but yeah no that's a good idea so tiktok to come this year (laughs)
0: awesome all right well thank you so much (laughs) and i hope everyone enjoyed this episode Thank you so much for listening to this episode. and We hope that you loved every minute. If you learned something new, drop us a review and let us know what you learned. If you hear something in this episode that you want to chat about more, definitely send me a message on Instagram at your social mate or kboosk. See you next week.